You're listening to episode 47 of the Mad Chatters podcast, August 19th, 2015. Most everyone's mad here. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Mad Chatters Podcast, your very important date with the happenings at Walt Disney World and around the Disney Universe. My name is Derek, and as always, I am joined by my fellow Mad Chatters and hosts, Matthew. Howdy. And Jeremy. Life's full of tough choices, isn't it? What a week it has been for Disney fans. Uh, as you know, this week marked the fourth biannual D23 Expo in Anaheim, where Disney fans from all over the world came to hear from special speakers and Imagineers and look at special exhibits to see what the Walt Disney World, the Walt Disney Company is currently working on. And I have to say this year's Expo did not disappoint. It had lots of huge announcements and special celebrity guests and big news coming out of this expo in particular. So we're going to dedicate this entire episode to the expo and talk about some of the exciting things that happened there and our thoughts on it. Um, I have to ask you guys though, lots of news was flooding out, like just a constant stream. So how did you guys personally keep up with what was happening in Anaheim? I uh, was following on Twitter, and then when I got tired of like just reading words, I would <laughs> get on uh, just Facebook because I follow enough Disney folks on Facebook that every last status update after the announcements were made was pictures and pictures and pictures and pictures. So mm-hmm. uh, that's really how I did it. I would I would wait long spans to build up some anticipation before I looked again, <laughs> and then I would look and be like, ah, oh. <laughs> Well, we were trying to have dinner with friends, too, at a house, their house, uh, and Jessica, my wife, was like, put your phone down. I'm like, nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had lots of plans for the weekend and did none of them. I was just, even though I'm on East Coast time and the convention is three hours behind, there were still people tweeting about, like, waiting in line and all kinds of stuff, and I just couldn't pull my stuff away, so I had... My laptop with Twitter and Facebook, and then I had my phone with Periscope, and all the while I was watching Nightmare Before Christmas and a goofy movie because all that put me in the mood for it. So yeah, yeah, I had Twitter open, and a spe- spoiler, especially when they announced all the Star Wars stuff, I would click update. I mean, it could not have been four seconds, and they would drop down saying twenty-four new tweets or something yeah. like that, and I'm like, <laughs> I cannot keep up with it. And then when they moved on to Tokyo, it was like one tweet. Yeah, <laughs> one new tweet. I'm like, okay, people care less about that, I guess. But anyway, so earlier, Jeremy and I talked to Disneyland regular, touring plans blogger, omnibus enthusiast, the one and only Guy Selga from Anaheim, who goes to Disneyland quite a bit. And we talked to him Sounds because... Sounds like a Star Wars character. Guy Selga? Yeah. All right, well, we'll, we'll let him know, and he can yeah. <laughs> audition for the next film, or at least slip his name in there i guess but uh he was at the expo and uh got to experience all the exhibits and things like that so we talked to him just to kind of get a feel for what it was like on site um but before we hear from him we're just gonna talk about all the big announcements um that we were excited about or maybe less than excited about um so jeremy what are we gonna talk about first 
First, we're going to talk about the Disney Legends panel. And if you remember on last week's show, we talked about how they honor uh, people from all aspects of the company who have made major contributions throughout their life uh, with the Disney Legend Award. I, I guess it's an award or an honor. or It's a two-foot statue. Whatever it is. Well, <laughs> to be exact. Um, everybody was honored who I mentioned last week, like George Lucas and all them. But there was a surprise inductee this year. And everybody was very uh, pumped uh, when Bob Iger announced that well, he didn't announce it. He said something about a surprise, and then they played a montage of Johnny Depp clips, you know, of him in character as Jack Sparrow and the Mad Hatter and all his other Disney-related roles. And so uh, Johnny Depp was made a Disney legend, and he was there at the expo as well and came out and gave a little thank you speech in his own little quirky Johnny Depp manner. <laughs> so uh, a lot of people were excited to see Johnny Depp there. Uh, then they moved on to the animated films uh panel which is where disney kind of disney and pixar they look to the future of what you can expect to see in theaters animated wise in the next couple of years uh the pixar exhibit included posters for finding dory which we knew was coming they gave some details about that ellen DeGeneres was there at the d23 expo which was exciting and they also announced that ed o'neill from modern family and married with children will be voicing an octopus in the uh, upcoming film. And they showed a piece of, I don't know if it was a, from a clip or if it was just a piece of concept art or, is it concept art? Is that what it, or just a it's still like a from the screen, film? Yeah, a screenshot, or not a screenshot, yeah. a still, there you go, yeah, yeah. Where like, the octopus is on like a counter, looks like, like a kitchen counter or a laboratory counter or something, doctor's office counter, some type. It and looks Dory like he's is, about to be cooked. Okay, maybe a kitchen counter. And then Dory is in a fish tank. So, and they oh, seem to be communicating. With each you got others. that scoop here on the Magic <laughs> podcast. Well, yeah. I just, in case you didn't see it, you might. He hear is it. on a counter, she, and a fish tank. Yeah. I just probably saved you 11 <laughs> bucks. You don't even have to see the film now. You got That's the right. gist of it right That's there. That's where she is the whole time. She, she's in she's the found. Tank. She's found. Yeah. <laughs> wow. She's in the kitchen. Save this yourself. is why we do a podcast. That's right. Yeah. They also announced details about uh, Toy Story 4. And I thought it was interesting. They said that every Toy Story movie, and I didn't think about this until they said it, is a different movie genre. So, like, the first Toy Story movie is a, is a buddy movie uh, or buddy comedy kind of a thing. Um, the second one is a rescue film where they go to find Buzz and rescue Buzz, or Woody, rather. Um, and the third one is, like, an escape where they're a prison escape type movie out of the daycare. This is going to be a romantic comedy. It's kind of what they said. It'll be Woody and Buzz go off to find Bo Peep, which a lot of people were concerned about her location in Toy Story 3. She was MIA. <laughs> but uh, apparently they are... Woody and Bo Peep continue to be madly in love. So she that was looking be... for her sheep. She was busy. There you, there you go. Um, then also there were posters for Cars 3, which... I saw a lot of people were like freaking out over, but they announced that back, I believe, at the shareholders meeting. I was one of the ones who forgot, though. When I saw that, I was like, what? Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Cars 3. <laughs> Great. Um, those were all sequels and trequels and all kinds of things coming. But um, I think the word is threequel, not trequel. <laughs> well, if that's even a word. If it's even a word. There's three of them. 
an original Pixar film, which will be coming out, I think, is it next year or 2017? I think it's 2017 because I think Finding Dory is 2016, but I could be wrong. <laughs> or 2016. <laughs> Ooh. Hello, Finding Dory. <laughs> uh, but anyways, the original uh, film directed by Lee Unkrich, who did Toy Story 3, is called Coco. And this is the one that uh, was announced that will be based on El Dia de los Muertes, which is the Mexican Day of the Dead. Uh, so it features a 12-year-old Mexican boy named Miguel. And I assume something named Coco, but I couldn't <laughs> right. I could be wrong with that. He really likes chocolate. I don't know a lot about popular culture. I'm very uh, behind usually a lot of the things. I watch TMZ, but that's about it. But isn't there like a very popular song right now in the R&B hip-hop world called I'm in Love with the Coco, which is like a slang name for cocaine? I don't listen to popular Look music. Probably. There's I, probably got a, a 95% chance that there is a song about cocaine. <laughs> well, there you go. I just I put that in my head, and, and uh, that popped into my head rather when I heard Coco. That so might be maybe, what it's about. Maybe there'll be a... We have come from <laughs> you Mexico. heard it here, the Pixar movie about cocaine coming to theaters in 2016. The villain is uh, El Chapo. He's the villain. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, you never know. So uh, that'd be a fun product tie-in. <laughs> like you go to the Disney store and get your grandma cocaine and yeah. my word. Pixar cocaine. It's definitely better than DreamWorks cocaine. We know that for <laughs> sure. But anyways, uh, Disney also announced that Disney Feature Animation will be releasing a film in 2018 called Gigantic. And this will be based on Jack and the Beanstalk. And it will feature music from... You guessed it, folks. The Lopez's, who wrote the music for Frozen, as well as Book of Mormon, Finding Nemo the Musical, and Avenue Q, if you're keeping score at home. So they uh, just decided to tap into that, uh, I guess, Frozen power that they have and uh, wanted to make sure that they had a hit in the future, which I'm sure Gigantic will be because, Mm. you know, right now Disney seems to be in their groove. Yeah. Uh, also, one other note came out of that. Uh, there it is. The short Riley's First Date, which is uh, based on Inside Out, will be featured on the Inside Out home release. So uh, we have that more from the world of Inside Out to tickle our fancy in the future. Yeah, I think for film fans, this was a, a fun panel to be in. They had a lot of stars shows up, show up, like Dwayne Johnson showed up to talk about Moana. I hate it. I'm upset about it because I have made it a life goal and practice to hate every movie that Dwayne Johnson has ever been in. And yet, I think Moana's probably going to break that streak. So, there yeah, well, you, you go. don't have to see Mom. him, so it's different. That is true. Yeah. That is true. Uh, but the biggest thing for me, Randy Newman showed up and saying, you've got a friend in me. So, that I think that alone would have been worth sitting in that panel. He's a legend. Definitely. Richard Sherman singing in other panels. Randy Newman. I mean, come on. John Lasseter shot out Hawaiian shirts from a cannon. I mean. He has his own clothing line now, folks. His own collection. So, Oh, uh, Johnny. Got the perfect Father's Day gift for everybody coming (laughs) up. There you go. In a year. But that's okay. Uh, all right, well, let's move on to the live action film panel. Uh, Again, tons of celebrities showed up. Chris Evans. 
um, John Favreau and Lupita Nyong'o. All these people showed up to talk about their films. But I just want to kind of hit some of the highlights that we didn't know. Um, apparently, they showed a clip of Bill Murray singing Bare Necessities for the Jungle Book film that comes out next year. And I saw a lot, a lot of positive feedback about this film based on the clip. So um, that should be a hit. Um, Alice Through the Looking Glass, which is, of course, the Alice in Wonderland sequel starring new Disney legend Johnny Depp. Um, the the I don't think it was a director, but someone said about the film, we'll see the characters at different stages of their lives, including the Mad Hatter. So that's something interesting to look forward to. Uh, they talk a little not, bit. not directed by Johnny Depp, which I did not realize until. You mean Tim Burton? Maybe that. Tim Burton, that's what I meant. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't realize that till this weekend. So, so maybe it was a director who said that. Who is been. it? Do you know? Not off the top of my head. Okay. Um, Google that, friends. Okay. Not Not you guys. <laughs> I mean, people listening. <laughs> uh, they talked a little bit about Pete's Dragon, which we don't know a lot about still, but Bryce Dallas Howard from Jurassic World and Robert Redford will both star in it. And Pirates of the Caribbean 5, why they are still making these movies, only Matt and Jeremy can tell you. Pause. They're wonderful. <laughs> oh, but they announced the subtitle for this film, which I totally approve of, and it's Dead Men Tell No Tales. And Orlando Bloom is indeed coming back to reprise his role as Will Turner. He's my least favorite. Wow. I have breaking news. Directing Alice Through the Looking Glass will be... James Bobbin. Huh. <laughs> He directed. <laughs> yeah. He's only uh. directed. He's directed two other feature films, although he's done a, quite a few uh, television. But he directed the 2011 Muppets film and the Muppets Most Wanted. Oh. Okay. So All his right. track record is pretty good. Is well, he's staying in the Disney family. So. All right. Um, also, our favorite animated film of all time that certainly has not gotten old by any means, Frozen, is Yay. officially coming to Broadway. Now, they mentioned that it would get some sort of staged musical about a year ago. And so I think pretty much everyone had guessed it was coming to Broadway, but they confirmed it. And they talked a little bit about the Frozen Ever After attraction coming to World Showcase. And uh, I, I love that they showed concept art of the meet and greet area and seemed so adamant about saying this will be traditional Norwegian cabins and everything yeah, will look I like that. historic things in Norway and it'll make you excited about the Scandinavian culture, just like World Showcase is supposed to do. And it was so generic like that, too, like yeah. authentic Norwegian houses <laughs> like Ooh. not very not specific about anything just like oh uh traditional norwegian uh gutters and roofing <laughs> yeah i think they said log cabin at one point i think yeah. that's where they actually meet everybody's like so, "Ooh, that's authentic yeah they announced this in the parks and resorts panel and this was like right oh i don't remember what it was after i want to say it was after they talked about star wars and other big things and I, I had heard that when they when it came up with Frozen, it got kind of quiet, and there were even a few audible groans, like, oh, Frozen, <laughs> which I find really funny. But it's not going to stop Disney from putting out Frozen stuff, so. After all that boring stuff, I'm just picking now. <laughs> <laughs> sure. One of the uh, big draws for each of these D23 expos, uh, especially for those of us who love Disney parks and Disney resorts is the uh, the the parks and resorts segment, 
uh, or any of the other segments in which news and announcements are made for the Walt Disney World theme parks around the world, and for us especially here at Walt Disney World in Florida. And uh, we had a lot of big news this year, and I'm going to start out with, I guess, one of the smaller ones, um, but not small to me because I've been waiting on uh, hearing details about this for a long time. Um, and that is the uh, new Adventureland uh, table service restaurant that will be called the Skipper Canteen, or the full official name, uh, Jungle Navigation Company Limited Skipper Canteen. As we'll all call it, I'm sure. Yeah, all, all the time. Let's go to the Jungle Navigation Company Limited Skipper Canteen. <laughs> Uh, and it's opening later this year. That might have been my most exciting, the most excited I was about anything. It's like, it's going to be open by the end of this year. Of course, now it's Disney and things are subject to change. But um, opening by the end of this year is uh, really exciting. That means... You can call for reservations now, I guess. Really? Oh, I, I don't, I'm just guessing. They should be, maybe they should be announcing, they won't, probably won't do that until they announce an opening date. Oh, uh, yeah, you're probably right. I don't know. Uh, anyway, the, the details are obvious. Um... Uh, it's going to be themed to Jungle Cruise and namely Jungle Cruise Skippers. And it says the Jungle Cruise Skippers will be the hosts and hostesses and servers. Now, I'm assuming this just means they'll be in Jungle Cruise character. separate cast members. Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine right, 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 being right. too literal. I was being too literal. I was like, really? They, they're not going to get off the boat and follow no. you into the restaurant. <laughs> well, maybe may, that'll make them more cranky. Uh, <laughs> do you think they'll sounds, have a? Do you think they'll have a script of like certain puns they can say when asked? I'm sure they will. Certain questions. It sounds like it's going to be along the lines of a uh, like a Whispering Canyon or somewhere where they're able to you know interact in a fun way or uh, um, what's the other one? Fifties prime time. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, interact in like a fun, sarcastic kind of way with the guests. Um, the restaurant will feature several dining rooms. I don't know why they selected this one as the one to feature because it sounds the least interesting. But it said <laughs> the one they they kept saying was uh, a crew mess hall. Now to me that sounds like like fluorescent lights and bleachers. Yeah, like bleacher seating, and maybe they'll do that. I don't know. I don't want to eat in there. That'll be like the rose gallery. Oh yeah, yeah. Nobody wants <laughs> to eat there. Don't put me in there. That's don't. where like the a... children are. Like a school cafeteria is what I'm picturing. Yeah, right. Now, I know it'll be Disney-fied, but still, of all the rooms... Oh, I, I heard additional details that there'll be like an Explorers kind of lounge room, mm. which to me sounds like they're going to be doing a lot of tributes to the Adventures Club, Club mm-hmm. which will make lots of people very happy. Yeah, get yeah. your scotch and cigars. Uh, do you think they'll serve alcohol there? I'm sure they will. Now that they've started with Be, uh, Be Our Guest, I'm sure they'll do something like specialty cocktails with souvenir glasses and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, along the lines of your Trader Sam's or something like that. Um, it's going to be a huge restaurant, it seems, because it wraps around all of that existing facade at the very beginning of Adventureland. Right when you cross the bridge, look to your right, like surrounding where the uh, the – the Sunshine Tree Terrace thing is now. All of that. And they have been constructing stuff behind it along the river there, too. So it's going to be a big place. Anyway, so that that's the Skipper Canteen scoop. And uh, I'm pretty excited about that myself. Definitely. Also, um, officially, well, it's been officially announced, but the name was given uh, officially this uh, during this expo for the Avatar expansion of Animal Kingdom that we've kind of been uh, unofficially calling Avatar Land. And that is, it's going to be called, a pretty predictable, Pandora, the world of Avatar. And uh, I, I've never seen the film, 
I don't think I have to see the film to think that I might watch it before I go and like. Mm, I'd recommend not. No, you should watch it. <laughs> okay. All right, at your own risk. I might listen to the soundtrack. Oh yeah, that's all. <laughs> no, um, apparently, um, thanks to Derek for some of the show notes and some research I've done. <laughs> apparently, the the folks that were going in, the mean, uh, the mean old white guys that were going into the the planet to try to harvest whatever they were trying to harvest. Yeah, it was the you know it's the Pocahontas thing on a different planet. They're going in to get the gold and the the women and all that stuff, or not the women. <laughs> The gold. <laughs> give the us your women. <laughs> give us your blue people. We wants the redhead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, apparently, this it was called the Resource Development Administration. So this is set apparently after mm-hmm. the the original movie. So the the bad guys are gone, and um, Yay. the Navi have been left alone. The Navi are the blue people, right? Yes. Wow, you're doing such a good job for not having seen the movie. Everybody. Well, I'm just you know assuming. I, I'm familiar with the the stuff just not the he's got he's got wikipedia open he's good yeah ah yeah um i'm editing it as we speak um (laughs) so everything's back to normal and and the video i watched the short video they were doing like a little pre-show segment setting up um with the guy that was supposedly like your host with this group called ace uh, alpha centauri expeditions i hope that's not like a real pre-show video did y'all see that video because it was kind of like some guy like in a church basement somewhere. I'm assuming no. that's just a preview, you know. Right. He's like, I'm with Alpha Centauri Expeditions. No, he wasn't like that. It was. Uh, so the storyline is that uh, the bad guys are gone. This new this new group is in, and and they're friendly. They're they're bringing tourists in to explore the world of Pandora to enjoy all of its natural wonders and the people, the people, the blue people. And uh, the two attractions we knew were coming. Um, one was giving an, given a name. We knew that there was going to be a simulator type attraction. Um, which on which guests will board banshees of some kind. I guess animatronic banshees, and it's going to be like a Soren type next-gen simulator uh, ride that will now be called Flight of Passage, at least as of the D23 Expo. The water boat ride that will be through the dark portion with all the bioluminescent plants and all still doesn't have a name, but it was confirmed that it's still coming. Also for um, Animal Kingdom which we knew some of this stuff was coming. The uh, Kilimanjaro nighttime version, uh, th- is all, all they said in addition would be hyenas. And wild hogs. They wild said hogs. Those two, and they, act, they, they kept saying they'll be added, those two will be added to sunset Kilimanjaro safaris. Does that mean like they'll bring them out at night every day and then like send them back well, during the day? Well, they are nocturnal, but like Maybe everything's nocturnal, nocturnal yeah. isn't it? Maybe they'll put them up like in their thing to sleep during the day and then let them out at night because they'll be roaming around doing stuff at night. That's true. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there'll be more to it because it was supposed to have a whole different storyline too at night. But um, all that was confirmed was hyenas and and wild uh, hogs. Oh, wait. Wild dogs. I'm sorry. Okay. That's what I see. <laughs> you typed wild dogs, but when you said wild hogs, I thought, well, that sounds better. Wild dogs. <laughs> no, I really think it is wild dogs. That sounds like they're just going to be carousing like stray dogs in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like we they, got this chihuahua off the street. He's Dis- rough. There's Disneyland cats, and now they're yeah. world dogs. Disney yeah. world wild dogs. Um, I don't know what this means. 
did, did anybody see in the art or whatever when they say fireflies will host nighttime experiences? No, but people kept tweeting that as if, like, they'll be your guides through nighttime Animal Kingdom. The fireflies will. I, okay. I'm guessing it means all the trees will have lights and, like, maybe along the pathways and stuff, and they'll light up at night okay, that look maybe. like fireflies. Maybe it's I a immediately thought, the frog type. Well, that, I immediately thought um, it's tough to be a bug, not it's tough to be a bug, a bug's life with the fireflies. Okay. With their butts as spotlights, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I don't maybe know. maybe that maybe we're thinking too hard. Maybe, maybe it just so. means maybe it's just a Disney way of saying there'll be lights. Um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> the Tree of Life will feature nighttime projections. Um I uh, at first I'm nervous about that, but I know it's gonna be nice. It's gonna be fine. I hope. Uh, I don't really know what that means. If that means they'll be like They showed some concept art, um, and the the trunk was all sorts of different colors and showed different animals. Oh, my. I, it, the art looks cool. I kind of enjoyed the way it looks at night, just kind of lit up with not a lot of junk going on. Yeah. Well, Maybe it'll just be part of it. Maybe it'll be like as you exit, kind of like the Siemens logo comes up on Space Yeah, Earth. the 90s laser <laughs> exactly. logo. Um, lastly, at Animal Kingdom, uh, which we already knew about, um, is the Rivers of Light nighttime show. That will feature uh, fireworks. Well, fireworks? No, fire effects. Probably not fireworks. Right, right. Fire effects. Well, we could say pyrotechnics. Just not like shoot them in the air, explode them kind of things. Uh, Projections, water effects, and and lighting effects. Things like that. And live performers, correct? Uh, Possibly. I think so. Um, So that's going to be starting next year, right? Yeah, 2000. Yeah. I about said what next year is, but yes, 2016. (laughs) Yeah. Animal Kingdom. What year is it? In case you've been in the bomb shelter for a while. Animal Kingdom. playing Jumanji. Oh, that's true. I never played it. Oh. I just kind of died. Animal Kingdom not only getting a new uh, large expansion with Pandora, but over the coming years will be greatly expanding their offerings throughout the uh, afternoon and evening. And I think this whole package, obviously, is going to make Animal Kingdom uh, more than the half day it is right now. This is this has become one of the things I'm most excited about, which is so crazy com- when you think of how it compares to wh- what I felt when they first mentioned that Avatar was coming. I, yeah. I've done a complete 180, and now I just can't wait for this to open. Yeah. Well, the biggest news of the weekend came not during the parks panel but it came during the live action panel however it was parks related and as everybody knew if you unless you've been under a rock for some reason but uh bob Iger announced that the largest single themed expansion in theme park disney theme park history is coming and that is star wars land and everybody of course lost their minds Mm. uh Twitter blew up. In fact, I think Star Wars and Star Wars Land was like the top two trending things for like the whole day. I don't know. I believe it. My heart was racing so hard because they had the all they were they just talked about all the live action films, and then they said that the crowd started chanting Star Wars, Star Wars, and so then they talked about you know Episode Seven a little bit, and then. Um, Bob Iger asked all the stars to leave the stage because he had a special announcement. And that's when I was like, oh, here we go. Here we go. This is it. (laughs) This is the moment. Yeah, it was just really exciting. Even though we kind of knew, you know, we 
we kind of knew. We knew something was coming, like something big was coming, but uh, we didn't expect it during the live action, which I thought was kind of clever of Disney to do that. There were a lot of people that seemed like, well, they don't like things, period, but they were like, why did they do it during the live action? They should have saved it for the parks. But anyways. It was the people uh, that were camping out. Exactly. Probably so. But uh, anyways, details were announced that this uh, expansion is coming to both Disneyland on the West Coast and Disney's Hollywood Studios on the East Coast. So it's going to be, uh, I guess, under construction and opening simultaneously, which I don't know if they've ever done anything quite that large. Definitely not that large, no. The only thing I can think is like Toy Story Mania. Yeah, but even those didn't open on the same day, you know, like they were still apart. So maybe I'm I'm assuming this will open on the same day, but it only makes sense, at least to me. It'll be open on like May the 4th. Oh, oh, that'd be good. Too. Yeah. Now, Jeremy, that'd I mentioned this in when we're talking about when talking to Guy, but I didn't know if you knew what I was talking about. Um, how how Disneyland Today on Twitter said exactly where it's going in Disneyland. Did you yeah, see that? And I saw. Yeah, and they repeated that today. Again, I, saw I saw that. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a lot of speculation about where it might go. Some people thought it would just replace Tomorrowland. Uh, I think more people thought it would replace Toontown, which still exists in Disneyland, although it's been torn down at Walt Disney World. Um, but the Twitter Disneyland Today responding to someone's tweet said, yeah, it's going to replace Big Thunder Ranch as well as some like backstage areas. And so everybody was retre- retweeting that, like almost like, did they let that slip? But So they already know where it's going there. What do you think about that, Jeremy, having just been last year? I mean, I'm okay with it. I was gonna personally. say, I I, th- I think it's perfect fit. Obviously, at Hollywood Studios. Oh yeah. I don't. I don't think it. I don't know about Disneyland. That's weird. It's kind of outside of the. Uh, the the I don't know. It, it's gonna be weird, especially since Star Tours is already there, but in Tomorrowland, and now you're gonna have a whole land that's like on the opposite side of the park. Maybe they'll just move the whole thing. Maybe. That would help because Tomorrowland needs some help over there. So yeah. they could use some fresh blood. I do feel like it's a good place to put it, though, because that whole area, um, it, it's kind of as small as Disneyland is. They've somehow managed to make that area feel set apart from everything. Mm-hmm. And so I feel yeah. like to put an entire land there just kind of makes sense. And it's not replacing like Small World or things exactly. that are like, you know, untouchable. So yeah. there's some go. goats. But it is going to be 14 acres in size, both here and there. So it's going to be, a, like I said, the largest expansion. It's going to be huge. And, uh, yeah, uh, they, will, they gave a little bit of details. It will contain a cantina, which is where, if you remember in Episode 4, A New Hope, kind of right there at the beginning where Han shot first and all that kind of thing. So that will be kind of, a, am assuming, a fun place to dine with live music and weird-looking waiters and waitresses. People have been d- asking for a cantina at Hollywood Studios for as long as I have been a Disney fan. And to me, it's like the easiest thing to do because you just right. do a little overlay of some restaurant. So, yeah, that'll be good. Um, it will include two e-ticket attractions, one of which you will fly the Millennium Falcon and the other one in which you will be in a battle between the First Order and the Resistance. So it sounds like, I mean, I don't know what they're going to look like. I can only assume that kind of same uh, technology that's going to be featured in the Flight of Passage in Pandora will be utilized to make you feel like you're flying the Millennium Falcon. I just hope it's not a 
Millennium Falcon spinner, you know, like right, <laughs> Triceratops. Right. That makes me think that they're going to do. I have no idea how it would work. I, I th- I'm not. I'm going to step out on a limb here and make a prediction that the Millennium Falcon attraction is going to be Kuka Arm based. Okay. I don't think it will probably be on a track like Forbidden Journey or anything. I think it'll be more like the sum of all thrills, and you're encapsulated in kind of like a thing. But isn't that too similar to Star Tours? Well, no, because in the Kuka Arm thing, you, you'd kind of probably like like two, two or f- like four people in a pod, and then like enclosed, almost like a mission space, except with that the trademark or, Millennium Falcon like cockpit thing. Do you think um, it might be the same like um, like the Simpsons at Universal? That kind I of thought setup? that too. That'd be really cool, but Where I don't know how they would customize that for like forty cars. 40 riders at once. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just feel like they've spent so much time planning this before they announced it that to have an, a screen-based attraction that you can find in other I parks... I unfortunately think that they're going to both be screen-based. Both? Well, I mean... I really, think that the one... The second one, I don't know if the shot they showed is actually from something they're working on with, like, the stormtroopers, kind of... If you've seen that one shot, they're claiming it's for that other attraction. Hmm. It's just like some stormtroopers like storming through a hall. Yeah, like, I saw that. I just thought it was atmosphere. It makes me think that it's going to be along the same, the same idea as like a Spider-Man because that's what they're doing with the Iron Man attraction at Hong Kong. It's mm-hmm. that live set slash screen 3D thing going on. Hmm. Well, and I mean, if you're going to do action-based rides, which is both of these sound like they're going to be action-based... For Star Wars, I mean, you have to do some kind of a screen-based thing. Yeah. So. This this seems like um, a response to Diagon Alley, to be sure, a- as far as the fact that it's so immersive. But it kind of has a one-up on Diagon Alley because there's not just one attraction, but two. And it's Star Wars. Well, you're right. Well, listen, I'm a Harry Potter fan through and through. But it might be right. interesting to do a count a fan count. <laughs> yeah, that would be interesting. Well, I think the ages would differ. Like, I think... Star Wars is going to be your uh, 40-year-old guys. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I really think, as terrible as I think they are, I really think the new ones really helped create a fan base of, like, our generation and even younger. Yeah, so I well, think, and the TV shows. And that, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a huge universe, to be sure. And I think they can do a lot with it. Now, what I thought was probably most interesting about this, because from the get-go of talking about a Star Wars land, the conversation was, what are they going to do? You almost have to do a Star Wars park, you know, to represent mm-hmm. everything. Like, do you want to go to the Death Star? Or are you going to have, like, a Dagobah kind of swampy place? Are you going to have, like, a Tatooine where you have a Moss Eisley cantina or something? What are you going to do? So it seems like what they're doing with this is just kind of a hodgepodge non-existent Star Wars planet. Right. Yeah, they're creating a new planet. Yeah. So it's just like everything, a- just the feel of Star Wars is there without it necessarily being one place. Which is smart. Yes. Uh, Star Tours will be updated with new characters and settings from Episode 7. So uh, look forward to that. Might get a little sneak peek or something that is new from Episode 7 coming up. And the Jedi Academy will get a refreshment as well so a little snack (laughs) little snack little upgrade uh then the other thing that uh was announced 
Star Wars related. Star Wars Season of the Force will be a limited time event in 2016, much in the same vein as Star Wars Weekends at Hollywood Studios. Uh, at Disneyland, Space Mountain will become Hyperspace Mountain, which uh, a lot of people groaned at and well, rolled their own. Yeah. I think, it, like we mentioned with when we talked with Guy, it, it's just the name is kind of off-putting. Right. But uh, yeah, I'm not knocking the idea. I'm sure they can do a lot with it. Yeah, and interventions uh, will become a Star Wars launch bay. So yeah, I saw just today they're already accepting auditions for people six foot one and over to play characters who can start in October. So I'm guessing they're doing like meeting meet and greets starting in October with like Darth Vader and maybe stormtroopers or something like that. Yeah, chewy. Uh, Hollywood Studios will be getting some fu- uh, Star Wars fireworks as well, which they've kind of had hit and miss there throughout the May the 4th celebrations and Star Wars weekends. So I imagine it'll be along that same line. But again, Star Wars is such an amazing uh, property in that it encompasses Disney fans, but then it encompasses so many more fans of just Star Wars in general. So this is going to be like Disney printing their own money when all this opens. They did not release any dates as far as when we can expect it. So that, to me, tells tells us it's going to be a while. Mm-hmm. So strap in. But um, I think that's what D23 stands for is 2023 is when this will open. hey Or maybe 23 years before it opens. Zing! Uh, anyways, um, it's going to be exciting when it does open, and, we, and you can't expect quality to, to be done overnight. So, Ooh, that's go. true. That's good. That's good. Um, well, for Hollywood Studios fans, that was not all. There's more. Uh, speaking of intellectual properties, Disneyland... Disneyland. Disney's Hollywood Studios will also get... Toy Story Land. Again, this is something we kind of speculated about on the podcast. Maybe would this happen? Would they get some Pixar expansions? And they are, but as of now, they're saying it's all Toy Story related. Uh, one of the the person announcing it said it will be as immersive as Radiator Springs or Cars Land in Disney California Adventure in the sense that guests, when you walk in, you'll be shrunk down to toy, so- toy size and everything around you will seem uh, big. Uh, oversized. <laughs> I couldn't think of the right word, but it's great. It will seem big. <laughs> it will seem so big. <laughs> and like Star Wars Land, this will include two attractions. I don't think these are quite the e-ticket attractions that will be in Star Wars Land, but they're featuring a flat ride that will be very similar to Mater's Junkyard Jamboree, but it will be themed to the little green men that are in the claw. So kind of like a little spinny attraction. And then a slinky dog coaster, which again seems more for kids, maybe along the lines of Barnstormer. It's a family coaster, okay. yeah. So, so maybe like Seven Dwarfs Mine Train ish. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there you go. More intellectual properties coming to Hollywood Studios. People scoffed at this, and, you know, it, it was kind of disappointing in light of like a Star Wars land or. A lot of people were hoping for like a coaster or a bigger coaster kind of a thing. But Hollywood Studios really does need these kind of attractions because there really is nothing there for small children. I didn't realize this until I went with my um, stepsister a few years ago. And really the only thing she could do was like great great movie ride and Playhouse Disney. Playhouse Disney, yeah. 
Yeah, but as far I mean, she was she wasn't tall enough for Star uh, Tours or you know all that other stuff. So ride wise, there was nothing there. So I'm excited that Hollywood Studios is getting a lot of love based on what they announced this weekend. I am slightly disappointed that they had all this time to think about it, and all we're getting are two lands devoted to intellectual properties. Uh, like, is that the way Disney's going now? I mean, even with Pandora, like, have we stopped coming up with, like, original attraction? I, this isn't a complaint, necessarily. I just feel like that's the direction we've gone. You know, no more pirates, no more Big Thunder Mountains, no more Splash Mountains or Space Mountains. It, it feels like it's all dedicated to properties now. Yeah, I feel like it's all about the money, you know? What's going to yeah. make the money, so... But even if, at the front of that park, you have... Tower of Terror, which is an original... Well, it's Twilight Zone, but still, you know, it's an original idea, and I don't know. That's just... That's where maybe I was slightly disappointed to hear that with all this time they've spent planning it, they thought they went back to the very first Pixar and they're going to do a whole land based on it. But, you know, that's just me. I would have preferred if it was called a Pixar expansion rather than Toy Story Land, Mm -hmm. because I think you're limiting yourself too much for growth then beyond that it would have been nice if they you know okay maybe you have some kind of a toy story-esque thing in there but i still think having the up house back there maybe as some kind of a a sit down eating place would be fun or a ratatouille restaurant you know incorporating some of these other things that fit pixar and would go great in a pixar place Mm -hmm. expansion i would love if they updated pizza planet to like the actual pizza planet that you see in yeah. the movie. It seems like such an easy thing now that they're doing all of this. Yeah. Well, who knows? Who knows? Okay, before Matt, before you talk about the last item, I do want to mention that the Agoofy movie panel looked amazing because Tevin Campbell, a.k.a. Powerline, showed up and did an eye-to-eye, uh, well, I, he sang it. <laughs> I don't know the word. <laughs> performance <laughs> there you go and flash mob dancers accompanied him and bill farmer voice of goofy was there i i would have given my left arm to be at that panel the energy in that room for you can just feel it through the video when they were singing eye to eye and everybody's standing and clapping and wooting hollering it was yeah, great yeah, yeah. Uh, something that uh disney fans have been speculating and thinking about for a long time that is especially since the uh the announcement that Soren was getting a third theater, a third screen, however you want to call it, third hangar. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah. I thought that was clever. Nice. Um, <laughs> Writing that down, saving that for and later. S- since they've been obviously preparing for a Soren type attraction at Shanghai Disneyland that was going to be called Soren Over the Horizon, um, everybody's been speculating that we're going to get a new updated film, and we are and next year, right? It's going to be called yeah. Soren. It's uh, simply Soren over the world, or Soren around the world. Mm-hmm. Soren around the world, right? Yeah. So not just featuring um, odd, oddly placed California vistas and landscapes and landmarks <laughs> uh, from that other park across the nation, but featuring, uh, I guess, natural and man-made wonders from around the world. I see. I saw, obviously, the filming. Um, the Great Wall of China and some other places in the Midwest or something like that, like a canyon, a mountain, or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, Which I'm glad, because I thought they were just going to do, like, soaring around the world, like Disney mm-hmm. World. Like, there's the all-star music pool, and there's some golfers. Yeah. 
So as we said, lots of big news, lots of things to get excited about. We don't have dates on half of these things, but they are coming to a Disney park near you very soon indeed. In light of all the news, especially Pandora, Star Wars, and Toy Story Land, we're going to do a special segment of Munchies and Merch. I have got to teach you about food. Close your eyes. Now, take a bite of this. No, no, no! Don't just fork it down! Too late. (laughs) Oh, yes. I'm rumbly in my tumbly. Time for something sweet. Speaking of champions, friends, Canine Crunchies is the champion of all dog biscuits. Cheddar! Cheddar Wizard! It's pretty scrumptious. And this time, instead of discussing the food and merchandise we want to purchase, we're going to describe some food and merchandise that we hope come to these special lands in the future. And to save time, we've each just picked one of the lands to focus on. So Matt, you go first. Tell us which land you picked and the food and merchandise you want to see come to that land. All right. Food item. Food item number one. In the star- I did the Star Wars land, right? Yeah, yes. yeah. Okay. Star Wars land. Food item number one in the cantina is the blue milk. Ah, yeah. Right? Isn't that what everybody always wants? What's it going to taste like? I don't know. Blueberries or something. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so creative. Oh, no. You got the, the you know, the butterbeer thing. The Harry Potter deal is not butterbeer. I guess it's more similar to what it is. It could be milk-based. Okay. How about that? You know Jeremy. He loves his dairy. That's like that. I mean, you look at, except for that junk that Yoda eats in whatever episode that is, uh, that's kind of like the tr- the whatever trademark Star Wars food right, right. item that people want to drink. So, yeah. Sounds good. So, that's my, that's my, that, the food item. And the merchandise, I honestly could not think of anything they don't already sell. So, you guys mm. already, you had it easy because you got the Avatar thing and the Toy Story thing. And listen, we let you pick first. <laughs> I yeah, know. I was thinking pick. about the merchandise, and I was like, "There's nothing they don't already sell. They sell the lightsabers, they sell the costumes, they sell the action figures." That's true. All I could really think of that I wouldn't buy, but people might that like Star Wars that way is like decals of like the Rebel Alliance and Empire logo. Okay, I'd get that. Like just like little carb magnetic decals, but yeah. they probably already exist. That's what I'm saying. Everything I thought of already existed, even down mm. to the Millennium Falcon bottle opener. Oh, oh wow! You I went, you went deep. <laughs> I was like, "What could that be? It could be a the bottle opener." I'll go next. Okay, so I had Pandora, and my I'm a simpleton, a predictable simpleton. So these are not going to surprise you. Um, the first, I'll start with the merchandise because it, classic Derek. But I just want some simple like wall art that will be like. You, you were a tourist under the Ace Tours and you went to Pandora and you brought home like some art like here's the world of Pandora or here's um, I experienced the bioluminescence of Pandora or something like that. But it's just like a kind of concept art of that area. Uh, so that's my merchandise for the munchies. Okay. So you know everything's going to be in the, especially in the boat ride is going to be bioluminescent. So it's going to feel like nighttime but with glowing things. And so I'm like, you gotta have a gl- a drink 
with glow cubes at some part some part in that dark area and you can call it bioluminescence and it can be lemonade with mm. glow cube ice cubes and you can get waterman watermelon lemonade and strawberry lemonade and raspberry bioluminescence and cucumber bioluminescence bioluminescence that's clever so i don't think i want to drink anything with the word bio in it though that sounds like <laughs> Body fluids. Body fluids. <laughs> I would have one jar of the toxic waste. <laughs> the uh, I had body fluids, please. I had Toy Story Land, and so for my um, munchie, I picked um, marshmallows, kind of like a, a, but not like a normal marshmallow size, but like a bigger marshmallow size that has sugar on the outside, and they're going to be called Little Bo's Peeps. And so then uh-huh. they'll be in the shape of like little bow and I'll have then to like acquire rights to peeps. Probably so, but we didn't have any limits on it. So. Or they can do kind of like they do with the uh, fried donut or fried croissant or whatever it is and call them like marshmallow puffs. Yeah, there you go. Like a very generic name. <laughs> or you just slap a Toy Story character in front of another generic food item like Emperor Zerg hot dog. <laughs> right. <laughs> or like the Minions Twinkies, where it's just yeah. like a Twinkie with like the yeah, Minion eyes on the package. Deal with the little green people. But I'm thinking like little Bose peeps. I think that's cute. And that's- then the my merchandise is a mug, but it's going to be plastic because it's going to be like, you remember like the 7-Eleven giant size mugs that you would sell and they're made of plastic, but not the cancer causing plastic, the safe plastic okay. because I don't want anybody to die. And it's going to be in the shape of Lotso, and it's going to be called Lotso Chuggin' Bear. And so you can just chug on Lotso all day long. The shape of the bear? Yeah, but it'll look like the bear. And, you know, like, it'll look like, and then you'll have, like, a straw on the top of his head and a handle on his rear end. He so should have way. a strawberry-flavored beverage. Definitely. A strawberry-flavored beverage. There you go. Like Didn't a strawberry. Like strawberries or something? Yeah. Yeah. So a strawberry, like, um... Lemonade. You can go get your bio strawberry lotso chugging lemonade. Oh wow, <laughs> that's a lot. Of and that's stuff. like the perfect crossover between the two worlds. <laughs> perfect. Couldn't have thought of a better one myself. You're welcome, Iger. That's all I gotta say. Mm. <laughs> So like I said, we did talk to Guy Selga, who was on the scene, so uh, we're going to hear from him now. You live in Southern California, right? I do. Okay, so is this your first time at the D23? Or no? I've been to all four. Oh, wow, okay. Well, I want to talk a little bit later about kind of how they compare. Um, but first of all, how are you feeling? Because we're just one day after the expo. Um, I'm, I'm good. I, I'm, I'm really tired. I mean, I'm, I'm exhausted to be honest. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, cause I was waking up kind of early every morning cause, uh, my friend I, I was splitting the hotel room with, um, was, is an East coaster. So he's kind of on East coast time and waking up early. So that kind of woke <laughs> me up early. Yeah. Those East coasters, I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I would run around the expo all day and basically every minute of my time was occupied with something cool to see and like running into people and stuff. So yeah. 
uh, just running around all day, leaving at 7.30, realized I had only eaten like two Fig Newtons and a handful of <laughs> Honey Nut Cheerios and, you know, desperately trying to look for something to eat around the convention center afterwards. And then going back to my room to actually like blog about it for work. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah. That uh, sounds like every convention I've been to, though. Yeah. Even you can. <laughs> You could start the D23 Expo diet plan. It sounds like you could lose weight really easily that way. Yeah, yeah. I came home and I weighed myself. I lost like four pounds, so that was Whoa. pretty cool. That's a good weekend in my book. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I believe the whole getting up early thing because I would just get to work and open Twitter and I'd see that people are already in line. And mind you, I'm in central time. And so I'm yeah. thinking, my word, they're going to be there for hours before this thing even gets started. Yeah, some people were waiting overnight. I'm sure you heard they, uh-huh. they this year for the first time they allowed people to camp out at starting at 10 p.m. Oh my word! Uh, which I I did not do, um, and not to brag or anything, I had a media badge, so I was lucky. I was able to just kind of walk into the bigger presentations, and then the smaller ones I had to wait for, which was no problem. Yeah, um, never never really had to wait longer than uh, than an hour or two. So okay, well that's yeah. good. Well, before we get to the specific uh, panels and things, I want to know just kind of like the overall experience compared to years past. Like, how are crowds? Was the conference organized? Like, what was the mood around? Um, so the crowds were, uh, you know, I haven't seen the attendance numbers, but I'm going to guess it, it was either bigger than ever or as big as the previous expo because um, the the show was contained to one show floor this time so last time uh they had like the archives exhibit for example was on i think it was the third floor separate from everything it had its own queue just completely separate this year uh what else was separated i'm trying to think um so there's there's the three halls where they hold the actual panels and those are separate too and those always have been separate but um previously like the the actual show floor was more spread out, so there was like more room to walk and just kind of relax and escape the crowds. But this year, I think there were like more booths, uh, just like uh, displaying things and just more people. So there were smaller walkways. It just felt so much busier. Yeah. Um, and so as for the like experience, um, Disney does a we- kind of a weird thing with with their with their conference or expo, whatever you want to call it. Um, so I also I've been to Comic Con before, and I also go to E3 every year. I've been going for the last 15 years to that. It's a big video game convention. Yeah, sure. In Los Angeles, and uh, the, you know the doors open, and there's just you know a hundred open doors to the hall, and everybody can get in, and there's no problem. There's there's hardly a wait in the morning. You know, it just moves pretty quick. So the way Disney does it is there's a huge line out. Well, two huge lines outside. One for D23 members, the other for the general public. Uh, D23 members get in at 9 o'clock and general public gets in at 10. So after you wait in this huge long line, uh, there's only like two sets of doors open. With And Disney insists on scanning every single badge that enters the mm. the hall. So I've never seen that before. So that's a little weird. So because of that, in the morning, the the D23 member line can sometimes take over an hour to just to get in and then they move on to the general public. So like on the first day, I remember entering the first panel, which was the Muppets panel at 10 a.m. and then getting out a little after 11 and seeing that they weren't even done loading the D23 line. And I just saw a lot of people on Twitter just commenting and kind of complaining that they were sitting out, 
you know, in the sun, it was 97 degrees in the morning on those days too. And they were sitting right out in the sun. So it was pretty brutal. So uh, I kind of wish they would get over the whole scanning thing, open all the doors. I heard through, through the grapevine that Disney likes to have only a few doors open because they like the entry experience because everyone enters and they see center stage where, um, you know, concerts happen and they have, uh, like uh, Jedi Training Academy goes on there and several other things. And so Disney wants everyone to, to have the same experience when entering the hall. Okay. Which kind of echoes the parks in a sense. So yeah, I guess exactly. it's a company-wide philosophy. Yeah. yeah, and I guess they're scanning badges for, you know, tracking or... Right. Um, I don't know. We're just I'm sure there's a hundred different things and a bunch of different parts of the company like to have that information, so... Yeah. Do you think do you think magic bands might solve that issue? <laughs> I I don't know. I I <laughs> just I, being facetious there. <laughs> yeah, I mean maybe anything would help this issue at this point because <laughs> yeah. you know this is, they've been doing this for you know what 7 years now, so. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. The effect of seeing the main stage I I tend to think that the majority of people waiting in the hot sun would have traded AC for that experience, but maybe oh. I'm wrong. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. Um you know, as far as far as uh, the how it compares to the previous expos, I remember the first one. It was four days. The show was open until nine p.m. every night, and it didn't get a lot of attendance. I heard they mm-hmm. they pushed a lot of uh, free and heavily discounted tickets to like cast members and and Disney employees and stuff like that. So uh, it was it was pretty dead that first year, and then the second year had more crowds. Um, but then the third expo i remember being very busy and as well as this one what time did the floor close every night this year seven o'clock oh wow okay so yeah, yeah and then imagine. some panels would end a little after seven if they were running late so you yeah. know um in fact i think every panel i sat in ended late but i mean that's <laughs> fine because it's yeah they're usually so interesting that you don't even want them to end totally i mean it's what you paid for so you might as well get the most out of it yeah um, well, I want to talk about the show floor for a little bit. Um, what exhibits were there that stood out to you the most? Um, I, the one that stood out to me the most, and I think just the one that was probably most popular with everyone, especially the theme park fans, was the uh, Disneyland, the exhibit. Mm. And it was uh, presented by the Walt Disney Archives. And they had just a ton of uh, items uh, from ride props, ride vehicles, Costumes, parade costumes, cast member costumes, old ephemera, um, attraction posters, just anything you could imagine from Disneyland in the past 60 years. They had uh, the old Harold Snowman from the Matterhorn and one of the mm-hmm. old Matterhorn bobsleds. They had uh, the old Phantasmic Dragon head, and it's just huge and just sitting there on the floor. Wow. Um, oh, I saw that. And it's, it was, they also had the neon uh, monkey costumes. Yeah, Was that the exactly. same exhibit? Okay. Um, they had uh, they they went really deep too in the well. They had uh, the Benjamin Franklin costume from the American on America on Parade. Oh wow! Parade from uh, was it 1976? I was not born for that, but just through the years, I've read a lot about it, and I mm-hmm. have like you know vinyl record and a lot of just like booklets and stuff talking about it. So I've become uh, a bit of a fan. So that was cool to see. Um, and then they had like the first Disneyland ticket. Uh, the exhibit was was basically the Reagan Library exhibit from a few years ago with a little bit more stuff added. So that was just really amazing to see. And you could get right up close to everything, too. You know, everything was roped off. But, I mean, you could get, like, within a foot of it and just really soak it all in. And, you know, I had friends telling me, like, oh, yeah, I spent four hours in there. And Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, no, I, I really like that they did that because I think that's like directly catering to, like you said, the Disneyland fans. That's what we want to see. Yeah, exactly. Can you kind of guess how big that area was, like square footage wise? Oh, I'm so bad at this, but if I had <laughs> to compare it to something in Disneyland, I would. Yes. I would say it was a, it was probably about as big as the hub. Like with okay, you just consider you know from from curb to curb. I think it was about as big as the hub, but but a square, yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, the other thing that stood out, and as as usual, is the uh, Imagineering booth. Um, mm. uh, this year, it was it was actually a little bit smaller. During the previous expo, it was basically like Imagineering in Glendale had thrown up in, onto the show floor. I mean, you walked in and there were like Imagineering artifacts from floor to ceiling. They had. Uh, it was the first spot where we saw like a prototype hatbox ghost animatronic figure, That's right. which, which was formerly a uh, Abraham Lincoln animatronic figure with hatbox ghost head on it. So it was like <laughs> super huge. Um, just a, just a ton of stuff. I, I can't think of all this stuff off my, off my head, but uh, you know, models and just artwork and everything. Uh, but then this year it was uh, dedicated uh, exclusively to Shanghai Disneyland and Avatar and Mickey's of Glendale, the shop, of course. Um, the Shanghai exhibit was was pretty large they had mostly artwork um which was which was cool it was kind of a large printings of like just blueprints and concept art and what the the current state of construction looks like and then they had several models and maquettes and um cast member what the cast member costumes are going to look like and then they had a few different videos playing on loop uh, going through the different lands and attractions, so we got to see some pretty clear footage of like the Tron, mm. uh, the Tron Light Cycle Power Run, I think they're calling it, mm-hmm. um, and like the Jetpack Ride and the New Castle Boat Ride and all that. So um, that was probably like the most in-depth look they've given of Shanghai so far. Okay, well, I'm curious because we gushed about Shanghai a few weeks ago when they first announced all the details, and I'm curious about the jetpacks. Did they show any more they did, than we've and- seen? Yeah, and so um, I actually uploaded a video today on my uh, my work account, Touring Plans, uh, youtube.com slash touring plans if you want to check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so the jetpacks are the Shanghai's answer to the Astro Orbiter, Astro Jets, whatever you want to call it. Uh-huh. Uh, it's it's a spinning attraction, but you're sitting in what looks like a jetpack, and then you know you have the pole attached to the side, and it goes up and down like a like a pretty typical you know twirly ride or whatever you want to call it. Uh, so the, the thing I really noticed in the video was that it has a super impressive lighting package. Uh, and so that along with the Tron canopy kind of, uh, in the background of it, I think Tomorrowland is going to look really impressive. I at think night so. In Shanghai. Cause they had some renderings too, of just kind of what the nighttime looks like. And it's got like swooshy blue lights and like Ooh. Little pulsating, flashing things all over the place, and it just—it looked ridiculously cool. I believe it. Yeah, the Tron coaster itself isn't—they acted like the show building would change colors and yeah. illuminate, and that's crazy. I love it. A good crazy. Yeah, it's going to be super impressive. And other than that, I think the only two other attractions in Tomorrowland were a Stitch Encounter and a Buzz Lightyear. Uh, what do they call it? Buzz Lightyear Planetary. Oh, I can't believe I can't remember. I don't remember right. either, but so I, I know it, you're talking about. Yeah, it's like a next generation Buzz Lightyear ride that we're all used to, you know, the guns and the sure. shooting and all that. But it it, it looks actually like um, I don't want to be too harsh on the current ride, 
Well, I, I mean, it's 20 years old, so... Right, right. Uh, but it, it looks like what you would expect a modern Disney dark ride to look like. You know, it's actually, yeah. like, realized rock work and nice art and just... Uh, yeah, it looks it looks nice. Derek loves those shooty Buzz Lightyear games, so I'm sure we'll be making a trip to Shanghai for that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just really, really bad at them. It's not that I, I don't you know, I ride them, them all the time at Disneyland. I ride the Buzz Lightyear one all the time at Disneyland because through most days of the year, it's a five-minute wait. And, it, you know, it is kind of fun to go through and have a competition with your friends and see who can get the highest score. Because at Disneyland, the score doesn't cap off. It just keeps going past a million. Yeah, uh, I don't so. think that's fun at all because my friends kill me and then rub it in my face. So. I think it's fun because I always win, but, you know, whatever. Okay, well, I'll rematch you soon. Yeah. Um, so my question after seeing all that is when is your first trip to Shanghai? I'm really hoping to go opening day. I know kind of oh, that's wow. like the, the fanboy thing to say, right? But I'm like desperately, you know, selling what I can on eBay to kind of fund this, uh, this trip. I, I want to go. I want to experience a Disney park on opening day. Yeah. I assume there won't be another Disney park probably in my lifetime opening. I don't know, maybe in India or the long-rumored South America one, but I'm just going to assume this is the last one, so I'm hoping to go on opening day. Listen, it sounds amazing. I, I Just earlier this year when Tokyo Flight started getting those crazy sales, yeah. I said, I'm going to go there before you know a certain year. And then a few weeks ago, I thought, maybe Shanghai first because yeah. it looks incredible. <laughs> Yeah, I've been getting like uh, $500 airfare alerts. Yeah, tickets for same like here. Tokyo, and I'm just, oh, man. I know, I know. So I got those alerts, too, thinking when I have enough saved, I'm just going to buy it. I don't care when it is. I'm going to get yeah. it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I just got back from, from Tokyo about four or five weeks ago, and uh-huh. I, I'm obsessed with Disney Sea. It's, it's like, it, like, I've said this before, but it's so hard not to be like hyperbolic about it. It's mm-hmm. so beautiful and gorgeous, and everything you've heard about it is so true. It's just an amazing place. Very cool. And they announced the recently that they're adding like the frozen and tangled sections to all that. They did, yeah. So. Um, and they touched on that briefly at the um, Walt Disney Parks and Resorts panel at the Expo. Um, but D- Japan is actually having their own D23 Expo later this year. So it was very brief and they didn't announce anything new. They kind of just said, hey, you know, these are coming. And they showed some concept art that were that was already released for it. Hmm. Now, most of our listeners are Disney World people, so did that Imagineer Pavilion have a lot about Avatar as well, Pandora? Yeah, okay. so um, they had Avatar in a closed-off section that actually had a queue that you had to wait to, wait to get into, and the queue was uh, never that bad, luckily. Um, but uh, you walk in, and you're greeted by an ace, uh, an ace employee, which was just an Imagineer, you know, wearing a costume, because they tried to keep the pavilion in theme, the Avatar section in theme. So what Ace is, is uh, Alpha Centauri Expeditions, uh-huh. and it's like a fake travel company that takes people to the world of Pandora. So you walk in through the Avatar section, and you are greeted by the Ace employee, like I said, and you're shown a video that is almost like an infomercial for Ace. And it's people, it's, it's Ace employees talking about how they're really excited to offer expeditions soon to Pandora, and then other you know customers, quote unquote, that have already experienced it. And after that, you are led into the room where you see this huge model. It, it had to have been at least uh, six by six feet of Av- uh, Pandora, the world of Avatar. That's the officially announced name. Right. <laughs> um, they announced that in the panel, finally. Um, we can stop calling it Avatar Land. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, even though Avatar Land is a lot less characters, so when you're tweeting about it, it's a lot easier oh, to yeah. like, tweet about it then. But, 
but anyway, yeah. so you're seeing this model, and uh, the the scope of it is is very impressive. And you know, you want to talk about like a million details. This thing looks like it looks like they're just going to build like a rainforest practically in in mm-hmm. Animal Kingdom, uh, and then they got the floating mountains and just uh, all this other just foliage and all the interactive things like. Uh, I don't know what any of this is called because they just kind of touched upon it briefly in the video, but like you're walking across a path of rocks that are bioluminescent. They use ah. that term a lot, bioluminescent. So it kind of leaves your footprints and then you walk up to a plant that looks kind of like fiber optics and you, you can touch the plant and, uh, and it changes color and whatnot. And then, it, I, so it's like they're pushing a, a lot of like interactivity with the environment the the model also had kind of a cool like lighting system that would cycle through the different times of day so you could see what it would look like because that's going to be a big thing is like visiting during night and day to see mm-hmm. the differences. I mean, it com- it completely changes how you see Animal Kingdom at night because before this opens, I mean, you really can't see Animal Kingdom at night as it stands currently. Right, and and uh, Joe Rody actually said that in the Parks and Resorts presentation, he he said like, yeah, nobody has really seen Animal Kingdom at night, but I, you know, it's it's really great, and the pace slows down, and you can see all the details, and the lighting is great, and um, so really really looking forward to that because uh, yeah. yeah, I've never been in Animal Kingdom at night. I actually just until last year had never been in Disney's Hollywood Studios at night. So oh okay wow. <laughs> um, but yeah, as far as uh, Disney World, that was all that was it, it in the in there in the booth. They had a couple of uh, Avatar models uh, of like the creatures and the Navi that you would see. Okay. Uh, but they did talk about a little bit more in the in the presentation. Um, they they talked about the the main ride of Avatar Land. There's going to be two rides: a boat ride, which they still haven't announced the name for, and then. Another ride, and hang on, I have the... Um, Flight of Passage, I want to say. Flight of Passage, yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. You're right. Thank you. Um, Listen, I may not have been there, but I religiously <laughs> followed every single tweet that yeah. came across my feed. <laughs> so that's going to be, uh, if you believe the leaked blueprints from a few years ago, that's going to be like a Soren type of attraction. Uh-huh. Uh, but they again, they didn't they didn't really talk about it much. Uh, I'm really excited for the slow moving boat ride though, because you know I I love like I think like every good Disney nerd I love slow moving boat rides. Oh and, yeah, no one does them better than Disney. Oh yeah, and and just this one too, it just looks so detailed, and like I said, the scope of it all is is going to be really incredible. It's so funny how the how the attitude towards this has shifted in the last few years. When they first announced it, I think the general mood was, what? Avatar? Yeah. And now it's like, at least for me, I, I couldn't be more excited about it because it, it yeah, looks like they're here. putting I, as much effort into it as they can. Yeah, I am so excited. And, and a big part of it is uh, Joe Rohde's just enthusiasm is infectious. Mm. Like he, uh, he, he feels like out of all the speakers I saw this weekend, like on the big panels, like the big corporate panels, he was just like the most sincere, enthusiastic, hmm. excited uh, person to be up on stage. Uh, he brought out James Cameron and uh, the the producer of the Avatar series, which I can't remember his name. Um, they seemed excited about it too, but even they were like more subdued than he was. Hmm. Did you get to meet Joe Rody? I saw he was meeting with like half of a Navi or something. I, I did, yeah. I was I was really surprised. I, I went in on the second day of the expo, because the first day I didn't even get to go on the show floor because I was doing panels so much. So I went mm-hmm. on the second day of the expo, first thing in the morning, 9 o'clock, ran to Avatar so I wouldn't have to wait. Um, and I'm in there with a group of like maybe four or five other media people. 
we're checking out the avatar thing and, and he, he all of a sudden we hear this voice and he's like so what do you guys think and we oh, turn wow. around and it's like joe roadie and and i don't think anybody else really knew who it was yeah so i'm just like oh i i think this looks amazing i i can't wait to go there and he's He's like, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's going to be great. Uh, you guys are all, all got your websites on. Huh? Yeah, take a lot of pictures and, and blog about us a lot. You know, were, so were you like, mesmerized by the earring? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so he's just like, yeah, get the word out there. And then, yeah, I, I got a picture with him uh, next to the, the Navi bust because uh, that was like at the exit. And they it was like the photo op as you exit the thing. And yeah, he, he, was, he was really gracious to uh, – awesome. To the fans that were that were there all weekend, yeah, I saw a lot of people got pictures with him, and that mm-hmm. was that was really cool. See, what you didn't see was he asked ten people before you who didn't know who he was, and they're all <laughs> like, "This sucks. I don't know who made this." <laughs> uh, okay, so you kind of talked about the Parks and Resorts panel a little bit. Um, so let's see, they announced like all the Toy Story stuff, and Star Wars was a different panel, I know, but like, what was kind of the mood of the people in the Parks and Resorts panel, especially when they had been waiting in line? Only to find out that the Star Wars announcement was in another panel. Well, first well, off, were you, were you in the live action panel? I was not in the live action panel. I was in I was in the the line for the um, for the parks. Oh, so you were one so of them. So how did you feel? <laughs> um, you know, I I didn't really care because you know you you kind of knew Star Wars was coming anyway. And then once I actually heard what they announced in the live action panel, because basically Bob Iger just kind of said like, yeah, Star Wars Land is coming, and I think showed one piece of concept art. Okay. But then they showed like they actually gave us some some meat in the okay. in the Parks and Resorts panel, and people were still super excited in the Parks and Resorts panel. Like once it actually happened, I mean, people were cheering, and uh, they showed a little really quick sizzle reel of, or not, I guess it wasn't a sizzle reel, but like a, I don't know, a flyover of. Uh, some planet that I don't even think has a name yet, because uh, they said it's a planet we're not, we haven't even heard of yet. Okay. Um, so yeah, people went crazy for that. Uh, so they talked about that briefly, and you know, p- crowd went nuts. And then uh, the the surprising thing was when they kind of went into the new temporary stuff that is coming to the studios and Disneyland. Um, I'm pretty sure they said later this year the season of the Force event. So Disneyland is getting a Space Mountain overlay, a Star Wars Space Mountain overlay. Right. How do you feel Called about hype. that? <laughs> um, you know, I I'm actually I know a lot of people don't like it, but I actually really like Ghost Galaxy. Yeah. Uh, I it's 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 kind of cheesy and weird, but it it, it works really well. I think, and, I, and it has great music, and I, I don't know, I I like it a lot, and I I guess it's because Space Mountain is is kind of um, it, this sounds so harsh, but it's kind of plain otherwise. And it's still there regular for most of the year, mm-hmm. you know. And when they change over to, to Ghost Galaxy, it only lasts, you know, it's only closed for a couple of days, so it's a quick change. So I don't, I don't mind at all. I, I like it. I, I kind of agree. I didn't say anything because it sounded like most people weren't on board. But I'm thinking if they use Star Wars music, and then if they use all the tons of stuff that's in the Star Wars universe, I mean, you really have a lot of potential for something good there. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, Disney is getting so good with their projection mapping technology now that this this could be a real impressive temporary attraction. Yeah, I think the name might be might could use a little work, maybe. But <laughs> even though it makes a ton of sense, it's just hyperspace mountain. Yeah, I'm wondering how it's going to affect the crowds at Disneyland because, uh, you know, d- Ghost Galaxy already draws huge crowds and like increases the doubles the wait time on on most days and 
you know, you throw in Star Wars right in the middle of, of the Episode 7 mania that's going to be going on. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah. It's, it's going to be nuts. And for us who go to Disney World more often, like, this is a this is necessary for Disney's Hollywood Studios. Like, this is yeah. exactly what that park needs. But I'm wondering, you know, Disneyland seems like kind of a different story, especially since you already have Star Tours all the way on the other side of the park. I mean, were you surprised, first of all, that Disneyland today on Twitter like confirmed where it would go. I, I was really surprised to see that. Yeah, I'm wondering if they if that slipped out, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm also kind of curious if if they even really know because you know like uh, the Disneyland Today team is great. They're all really super nice, and I enjoy talking to them whenever I get a chance. But like, um, I I don't know if they're really that connected to have that kind of information. Yeah, it's true. A so. lot of people seem worried about it replacing Toontown. Uh, would you be okay if it replaced Toontown, or are you against that idea? Um, the only thing I really like in Toontown is Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin, and it would be a shame to lose a Roger Rabbit attraction, especially mm-hmm. when there's pretty much nothing else. Yeah. Uh, but you know, like it's it's a I think it's a nice a nice looking land, and you know, kids can go there and meet characters and ride a little kitty coaster. And I, I don't think there's anything that bad about Toontown. I wasn't a fan of Toontown Fair at Magic Kingdom. I thought that was yeah. like, kind of cheap and <laughs> Which dumpy. is why they demolished it. So. Exactly. And, and what do you think about, I know a lot of people as well are concerned about, uh, you know, you have Frontierland and Adventureland and then Star Wars Land, like one IP kind of dominating a whole land. Do you have any res- reservations about that, particularly at Disneyland? Yeah, it's it's a little weird, um, especially kind of the location because you're going to be walking from Frontierland to, uh, to to Fantasyland, and back on that Big Thunder Trail, it's it's just like a really rustic, you know, trail. It's got like uh, horse footprints in the ground, and mm-hmm. you know, you get back to the ranch area, and it's like you're you're on a barn or something. But um, you know, the the whole IP in Disneyland thing ship sailed kind of you know back in 1987 or something when star tours open it's just they don't have a lot of land and it, they need to increase capacity and this is going to be a big thing so mm-hmm. i'm kind of like split both ways they, they they haven't really had anything big big in disneyland for you know since indiana jones adventure so i, I think the park needs it yeah so. i'm totally with you i, I- it's going to be strange, but when but I'm thinking now, like we just accept Star Tours as part of Disneyland. But I was not I was not really alive then. But I'm wondering if it when when it first opened, some of these same same concerns came out. You know, like Star Wars and Disneyland. But now yeah. it's just an accepted fact. So I think with yeah. time, and if it's done really well, which I have no doubt it will be, I think it's going to be the same thing as like a Cars Land. Like when that was first announced, people were kind of like, "What?" But now it's it's become a lot of people's favorite land of, of really any Disney park because it's so well done and so immersive. And so I, I think people will, will see that and kind of get over it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I hope so. Yeah. Um, okay. So we talked a little about Toy Story Lane. I know. Okay. I don't know if this is true. You can speak to it better than I can, but someone said that then when they got to the frozen section, it was kind of like silent in the room, maybe even a few groans. Yeah. The, um, the, the frozen part, uh, for Epcot um, was was you know I got a little bit of applause but mostly mostly uninterested and I and I'm gonna be honest I don't even think that is that has to do with Maelstrom or or Frozen or anything I think it was because this was after Star Wars Land 
Avatar, all that was announced mm-hmm. and talked about. And just, you know, you see these mind-blowing renderings mm-hmm. and these enthusiastic people on stage talking about it and all these flashy videos. And then all we got of Frozen was two kind of, we got a piece of concept art that had already been released and then a picture of the Sven animatronic. So I just think even even if that attraction is going to be a good solid thing and draw a lot of people, I think for that crowd of 7,000 or however many was, um, I just don't think it the presentation held up to the other ones. Yeah. Well, and I think we're starting to see some frozen burnout as well. So maybe people are just a little bit tired of it, at least for the time being. Yeah, yeah, and I totally agree. And, and uh, you know, when the ride opens, it'll be hugely popular and everybody Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sure that line will be wrapped around, uh, wrapped around the World Showcase. There's no yeah. doubting it. Yeah. Okay, so what other panels were you able to attend during the weekend? Um, let's see. I did, uh, like I said, I did the Muppets panel. Um, that was pretty cool. They they talked about the new Muppets TV series that's coming to ABC uh, this later this year or next year. I don't, I don't think I caught a date. Uh, it's shot in the same style as The Office. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's about the the gang of Muppets working on Miss Piggy's late night TV talk show. Okay. Uh, so it, it look it's it's sounds funny. Yeah. Um, the they had all the all the voices of the Muppets on stage with their Muppets that they play. So oh, cool. you know, Fozzie Bear and Rolf and Animal came out and all that. I love the Muppets. I'm very oh, excited about this TV show. Yeah, me too. And seeing Gonzo on stage, because Gonzo is by far and away my favorite Muppet. Um, this was so cool. <laughs> the um, biggest celebrity you saw all week was Gonzo. Yeah, right. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see, other panels I did. Um, the They had a very small stage on the second floor called the Walt Disney Archive stage that presented very niche, um, very nerdy panels uh, f- uh, based on Disney company history uh, and the one I saw was uh, five different archivists from five different divisions. So they had the Pixar archivist, Imagineering, Vanessa Hunt. She, she's a she's amazing and super nice, by the way. Hmm. Uh, uh, what else? Uh, Di- Disney consumer products archivist, which I didn't even know exists. Yeah. And then you know, oh, I uh, want that job. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Um, so it was just really interesting getting to hear the stories of these people that, you know, don't get any time in the spotlight any other places. Um, and, you know, this isn't any like earth shattering news. They didn't have anything huge to announce or anything. But it was just a, a fun little interesting panel just where people were given a chance to talk that don't normally get a chance. And mm-hmm. they just talked about what they do day to day to day and uh, how how the archiving process goes about and you know, items that they wish they had that they didn't and holy grails that they've found like stuffed in, in books, you know, in a dark uh, basement and stuff like that. Wow. So that was really interesting. Um, another one I saw was uh, the Best of Destination D. Yeah, Best of Destination D. That was uh, with uh, Jason Grant and... Um, oh, God, I can't believe I'm drawing a blank on his name. He's the original archivist at the studios and he's a Disney legend and I'm Dave totally Smith. terrible. Dave Smith, I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> Dave Smith. So Dave Smith did his uh, Walt Disney World The Way We Were panel, which was at Destination D, I want to, maybe three years ago? Okay, now Destination D is kind of the miniature conference that takes place in between the expo years, is that right? Right, okay. right. Um, and then the second half of that panel was Jason Grant doing his um, his kind of like uh, the the art of like hidden details. So like he talked about the Town Square Theater and all the 
references to classic attractions and references to other theme parks and references to classic Disney cartoons and stuff like that. So just really interesting. And, you know, like uh, both of those guys, anytime I have a chance to hear them talk, I'll, I'll, I'll take because they're just super interesting and funny. Um, so that was great. Uh, what else did I do? Did you, were you able to do the 60 years of Disneyland? That one interested us oh a lot. yeah, uh, the the Imagineering one. Yes, yeah, yeah. I did that one. Um, that that was great. Uh, um, you know, it's funny. Um, the that was another panel that was that was kind of split. It was the first half was uh, with Imagineers that had worked with Walt, mm. and then the second half of the panel was Imagineers that were like the post Walt generation. Mm. Uh, so in the in the first panel it was like uh, Richard Sherman, Marty Sklar, and uh, uh, can't remember his name. He's also a Disney legend. I'm so bad. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> okay. For those listening at home, I'm 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 running on very little sleep after. I mean, stuff. we just lost so many <laughs> listeners. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they talked about working with Walt, and uh, you know, it, the older Imagineers, you, after you've done the the Destination D and D23 Expo circuit for a few years. You kind of start to hear the same stories and over and over, sure. but it it doesn't matter because it's great. So they're, they're old people. That's what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they're still funny. They're still just super sharp, especially Marty Sklar and especially Richard Sherman. Oh, my God. And Richard Sherman is, uh, I, I want to say he's almost 90 years old, and he's still just so That's sharp insane. and on point and funny and just personable. Uh, so that was, that was great. And then the other half of the panel uh, was uh, – Tony Baxter and several other like more modern Imagineers, which is funny to call Tony Baxter a modern Imagineer. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm more of a, I, you know, I obviously love Disney animation and movies and all that, but I'm I'm a pretty solid Parks fan. Like that's mm-hmm. my kind of thing. So uh, any any Parks related thing, I I made sure to go out of my way to attend. Um, the only other panel I went to was. Um, the Silly Symphonies concert, which was, uh, which I actually wasn't even planning on going to, but they were making announcements that they had plenty of room left, and I went. And I'm glad I did because uh, just to hear a live orchestra playing along to these classic Silly Symphonies was uh, really incredible. Oh yeah. Uh, the panel was hosted by Leonard Maltin, and mm. in between, in between that, he, he uh, Walt Disney videos of Walt Disney, he would, would come out and. Uh, Introduced the the silly symphony that they were about to to perform. Oh, tears! That's I've awesome. been in tears the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. I yeah, that box set they're selling looks so cool. I mean, I cannot afford that. It's going to take me a little bit to save for that, but yeah, that's like a dream purchase right there. Yeah, Disney Music was was on on the show floor, and they they were selling the box sets of that and the Legacy Collection, which is so good. Hmm. Okay, tell me what the Legacy Collection is. Uh, so they they're going through and they are remastering and re-releasing soundtracks to each animated film. That's what I thought you were talking about. Are you t- were they doing the Disneyland one specifically? Is that what you mean, or all of them? Oh, they had all of them. Yeah, okay. And they had they had all like a hu- a huge box set of like all of them too. Oh for wow! Some, with like special art and a special book and stuff. Oh cool! Because yeah. I know they've done like Sleeping Beauty. Yeah, they've done a ton. They they've, they've even done modern ones like Pocahontas and like yeah uh, yeah. Like uh, Snow, uh, uh, Lion King is one of them. Yeah, that Little Mermaid and stuff like that too. Okay, yeah, that would be a neat purchase. All these things, like one day, all of them. Yeah. <laughs> Did anything at the expo disappoint you or not meet up your expectation, or you were hoping to hear something announced that wouldn't? Uh, there's just like, uh, you know, there's some booths that I don't 
care about, you know, uh, and other people do, and that's fine. You know, I don't have to like everything. That, that's totally fine. Uh, but, you know, like Radio Disney and Disney mm-hmm. Channel and, uh, you know, uh, even even the shops, really. There, there's a lot of shops. Like, uh, there's there's a Disney store, and then there's the Disney Dream store, and then there's the Imagineering store, Mickey's of Glendale, and then yeah. there's this and that, and uh, Uniqlo and a Target and this and that. And, uh, you know, like the Disney store especially, that had a three-hour wait from beginning to end every day. Wow. You know, possible to get in. So I never went in that. The Disney Dream Store finally died down on the last day. But by the time I went in there, they didn't really have anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, good. I was afraid you were going to mention a Goofy movie on things you weren't all excited about. And I was about to throw down. <laughs> no, I, I, I missed it. I was doing, I think that was the day I was doing the Imagineering 60th panel. And wow. I, I love Goofy movie. And I, I, I kind of regret not going to it. But I, I feel like I need to hear all these older Imagineers while they're still here. Oh, and I know totally. that's kind of morbid to say, but it's like Sophie's choice between those two panels because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I would ultimately go to the Disneyland one, yeah. but I would beg one of my friends to record the entire goofy <laughs> movie panel so I could see that was one of my favorites growing up. I yeah. do have a question about the floor real quick. The, um, I've seen like there's pictures like Dick Van Dyke and stuff was out there. Is it like a normal like Comic Con where those things cost extra to like take a picture and get an autograph, or is that included? Okay, so Disney has their signing section where it's free and included, and uh, people, you know, Marty Sklar and, and uh, other Disney legends and whatnot would uh, would show up and do signings there, and so it's kind of confusing. The other one is actually a third party, and I want to say they even call themselves Disney Legends. I think that's what the company is named. Um, but they they charge. So that's where Dick Van Dyke was. That's where like Christy Carlson Romano was. I don't, I don't even know if you guys know who that is. It's, she's uh, she's Kim, the voice of Kim Possible. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, even Stevens. Right. Even Stevens. One of my. I wouldn't call ever. her a uh, Disney legend, but okay. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm a huge fan of Even Stevens, but yeah, n- I'm not even. But anyway, so like, um, yeah, Dick Van Dyke actually was $100 to meet wow. and get a picture. And if you wanted them to email you the picture, it was an extra $15. Because <laughs> that's so much work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, um, those email fees. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not sure how much the other... I don't, I don't even know who else showed up there because uh, I, I didn't walk by very often. But um, I'm not sure how, the, how, the, how much the other actors and performers were. Uh, but yeah, that's what that was. Okay. Did you see any costumes or cosplaying going on that especially impressed you? Yeah, oh, there was there was uh, one that stands out to mind was uh, this girl was dressed as Ariel from Little Mermaid, but she was sitting on a rock. So inside the rock was like her legs, so she could actually walk around, and there were rollers on it, so it would like move. But then she had like the fake tail fin hanging off the side wow so it just looked like she was just sitting on a rock all like day a gliding rock that yeah. is awesome and, <laughs> that is cool and then um you know one of one of my favorite uh disney movies is mulan surprisingly i just okay. I love Mulan. i love the music and whatnot so just seeing a lot of these like really detailed mulan costumes and and a lot of like d- kind of different takes like like a superhero mulan stuff like that was uh oh yeah it's really cool to see and then uh, um I saw a guy actually as I was leaving on the last night. I saw a guy dressed as Sala from Indiana Jones, 
and he had the sign that said take heed like the indiana jones adventure safety spiel video uh-huh so that was really cool that's good yeah we saw the jungle cruise guy with his passenger on board yeah yeah he was he was a really popular one. Oh, i'm sure yeah i bet those people don't even get half done what they want to because everybody stops them and wants to take yeah. pictures with yeah them. yeah did you see the bell and beast that was like uh chewy from star wars and and leia i think they were on the first day no i didn't see that one i wish i would have though it, you probably could find it floating around instagram but it was yeah. really well done <laughs> yeah like, that very was good. well done <laughs> yeah um, okay, so what would you say to people who are maybe on the fence about attending D23 in the future? Um, I'd say look at the schedule of of panels, which is kind of hard to do because Disney doesn't release it um, until kind of near. I want to say they only released the panel information this year, maybe two months ago. Um, mm. You know, And they start selling the tickets a year in advance and they're discounted at first. So it's really tempting to jump right on. Um, you know, people like me are going to go no matter what, but, sure. um, <laughs> you know, expos aren't for everyone. So yeah, look at, look at the, the list of panels, see if there's anything you're interested in, um, set your expectations and know that you're going to have to wait for everything, no matter what, uh, they have something called a stage pass, which is like a fast pass for the panels. It's on some of the panels. Um, but even for that, you're probably going to have to wait an hour to get the ticket to lo- to guarantee, but then that guarantees your seat. So they they also have the standby lines for the panels that you can wait in, but I was in some panels where only the first twenty or thirty people were let in from the standby line, even though there was you know maybe three or four hundred in line, and you know I see a lot of comments on Twitter and and whatever saying like, why would you go to that when everything is posted online immediately after? I saw somebody call the Parks and Resorts panel like Disney Parks blog live. Um, oh. But it's just fun to be there. Oh yeah, and just like feel the energy in the crowd and sure. be surrounded by. As know, someone that. who was watching Twitter and watching Periscope the whole weekend, I would have given my right arm to be there. So yeah, right? it doesn't compare. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, and and just like and you know, speaking of Twitter, like that was another thing. Just meeting everyone from the internet that you interact with on Twitter all the time um, is really really cool and. You know, like I, I was getting stopped a lot just by random people just that wanted to say hi and get a picture. And that was that was awesome. And, and I got to meet a lot of my friends and a lot of new friends that I had, had talked to for years and known for years on, on Instagram and Twitter that I never met before. Like I met this one girl that I had we had followed each other on Instagram for like five years. and We had never met each other. And then we, we finally saw each other at D23 Expo. It was just really, really cool stuff like that. And I, yeah. I hear a lot of stories like that of people just making connections and making new friends and meeting new people in lines and. Because there's always just someone friendly to talk to and, you know, take a picture with. Yeah, I love that because you already know you have at least one thing in common, you know, because we're all fans of Disney. And I think yeah. that's so cool how the Disney, how the social media has allowed the Disney community to just grow. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's really cool. Yeah. Okay. I had a few non-Expo related questions just because I know you go to Disneyland quite a bit. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So do you, what's your favorite attraction or do you have one? Um, it's really hard to pick. And so I want to say, like, you know, obviously Haunted Mansion or Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, yeah. I think that I think those are the greatest theme park attractions on the planet. Mm. And whether or not that's my favorite ride, like, doesn't really matter. I think those are the best. Um, I'm a big fan of Indiana Jones Adventure, you know, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Haunted Mansion. Really, though, any one of those three uh, can be a favorite. Mm-hmm. Now, mine's different for Disney World and Disneyland, but Disneyland, mine is Pirates. But I saw online that it's going to be closed the entire week we're there in September. Oh. So sad. 
Yeah. I, I, I keep checking. Maybe, you know, they'll, they'll change their minds and just one day it'll be open, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, since you know Joe Rody, we were wondering if you could make a phone call for us. <laughs> <laughs> Get on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wish. Okay, what about favorite spot to eat? Uh, I really like French Market. I think they have a, a good, diverse menu, um, pretty high-quality food. Um, prices are getting a little steep these days, but uh, I think it's it's got a lot of good choices. I also really like the Hungry Bear restaurant. Uh, it has my favorite entree, which is the uh, fried green tomato sandwich. Uh, uh, totally delicious. Jeremy, I told you, it is on my list. All right, we'll try it. We'll try it. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to. You don't have to eat everything I eat. Um, and what makes the Omnibus so wonderful? Um, okay, so the my favorite ride growing up was the People Mover. I, I probably rode it a thousand times. You know, when I was when I was a kid, I, I've had an annual pass for twenty years now. And before that, I would go every week with uh, with a friend of the family that worked there and would get us in. Um, but anyway, so just being on like an attraction like that, where you can just kind of slowly, leisurely tour a certain part of the park and just soak it all in, and um, is really appealing to me. And just with the omnibus, you get on that second level and you get that unique perspective of Main Street and it's slow moving and you're above the crowds and you're in the shade. Mm. You hear the background music or maybe hear the band off in the distance playing. You see like the unique vantage point of the castle and just everything is like perfect up there. It's like my perfect relaxing spot is on the second level of the omnibus. I love it. And it's just a beautiful vehicle too. Mm. Bob Gurr designed it. It's got a great like forest green color scheme. You know, it says Main Street Transportation on the side. So just beautiful. I'm sold. Yeah, let's go. Let's yeah. go now. <laughs> okay, before I let you go, where can we, where can our listeners find you online uh, with touring plans and all, all that you do there? Uh, my, my personal Twitter is at Guy Selga, G-U-Y-S-E-L-G-A. I tweet um, 99% about Disney, um, mostly Disneyland and just other little weird Disney things that I have in my collection. Uh, I, I have a blog called angryap.com where I, uh, I call it a Disney nostalgia blog. So I, I, I blog about napkins and old park maps and just weird, weird things that I find. Um, and then the company I work for called touringplans.com. Uh, we are a Disney trip planning tool for Disneyland, Walt Disney World, and uh, Universal Orlando and Disney Cruise Line and soon to be Washington, D.C. Hey. and soon to be Universal Studios Hollywood. Um, <laughs> Thanks for letting me get in that plug. Um, uh, of course, yeah. So touringplans.com and uh, at touringplans on Twitter. Uh, we have uh, just a, a ton of stuff on the website. We have uh, up-to-date dining menus. I go through the park. Every, I go through the resort every every six um, every six weeks, and uh, you know, write down every dining menu and update it on our website. We have uh, touring plans that are like a cheat sheet for the park. It. Uh, my boss's college thesis was crowd patterns in, in Walt Disney World, so. We, we have a crazy stats team that tells us how to how and when and where to go to avoid the crowds in the, in the theme parks. Um, so save up to four hours in line with that. Uh, we have wait times, the actual, uh, we call it actual wait times. So it's like a, a get, an estimate of what you'll actually wait because Disney's wait times are reactionary and our wait times are predictive. Yeah. If our listeners remember when David and Katie were on talking about their honeymoon, they used touring plans and they lived and breathed by it and awesome. uh, said how useful it came in yeah we have uh you know like a uh, uh we, we 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 do have a, a pay 
uh, pay subscription service, but um, we, we still have a lot of stuff free, so don't, don't definitely. Let that you. But uh, anyway, yeah, we do have uh, 120,000 very, very happy subscribers, and we get a lot of excellent feedback. So uh, yeah, be sure to check that out. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been really great to uh, talk about Expo with you guys. Yeah, it's like a nice like debrief of all yeah. that you absorbed over the last few days. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. So final thoughts. D23 Expo. Would you go? Yes. In fact, I we were talking yesterday and I said, wouldn't it be awesome if we as the Match Hatters could be there in two years for the next Disney Expo mm. or D Expo, D23 Expo. So, um Send your donations, folks, uh, to our Kickstarter. A, starting a GoFundMe right now. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, I would go. I think it'd be so much fun. I think you got to manage your expectations, like what was mentioned, as far as lines and that kind of thing. But, again, just to feel the energy from some of those panels would be just so so much fun, just being there live. I think I would go – I'd be more inclined to go if I knew it was going to be a park-heavy one like this one was. Uh, I mean, I love Disney f- films and stuff, but I'm more of the parks side of things that uh, appeals to me more. Yeah, the, I can the, see the that. All night staying outside trying to get into one of these things, one of the panels does not appeal to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I don't know. No, we'll get us a media badge so we don't have to do that. Okay, Ooh, yeah. Oh, that's craziness. right. We could. We are important. I, I was a little disappointed that they did not announce a Hollywood Studios name change. Mm, that's true. Which I was expecting them to do. They're so. probably still thinking about it. Yeah, they're, they're, what uh, in the world are we making here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. a really good point. Uh, if we're talking about disappointments, I, I guess I kind of already mentioned this, but the fact that they said Toy Story Land will be as immersive as Cars Land, I really don't see how that's possible, but I really hope they prove me wrong. Uh, yeah. My, I think mine, and based on what I said last week about hoping they said something about Epcot. Um, they did. Frozen Ever After. Oh, and the Soren thing. Yeah. <laughs> that will, I guess it'll come in time. I, I think. Well, Hollywood somebody. Studios wait, 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 wait. More somebody. Need of it. What? One of the Imagineers during the panel, I saw it was tweeted, made, I think it was just a slip, said something about made, a major overhaul to Epcot. Do y'all remember that? I didn't watch they s- Oh, that's right. They said something like they introduced someone and said he has now been in charge of the things going on at Epcot or something like that. And mm-hmm. and when he tweeted it, he said the way he said it made it sound like something big is in the works. Something big's on in the works there. So that I mean that only makes sense logically. Every other park has gotten some tremendous stuff. It is sure. like Animal Kingdom is getting some big stuff in the coming years. Mm-hmm. But and, even just US parks, I mean like that has been the redhead stepchild after all of you know Disneyland's getting stuff, California Adventures had a huge. Of course, job right now they're probably just going to be banking on Frozen to bring in the people. Probably so, NFL. but I think Epcot will be the next big, the next big one hmm. in two years. D twenty three Expo, two thousand seventeen. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Call the neighbors, wake the kids. It's happening. <laughs> Well, that does it for another episode of the Mad Chatters podcast. We told you there was lots to talk about, and we talked about it. So we're going to let you go now, and we ask that you go follow us on social media if you want to keep up with us. And we're on Facebook and Twitter at Mad Chatters, and you can always send your comments to comments at madchatters.net. And, of course, you can leave us a review if you are so inclined on iTunes. We will see you next week. 
Take a little time to find the magic in every day. Bye-bye now. I'm drinking chai tea today, not that we've done that since episode three.